Good morning. Turn in your Bible with me. Today we're going to uh, look at Romans chapter 9. We're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. Um, and then along with that, we're going to study Psalm 23. So Romans chapter 9 and Psalm 23. And I'd encourage you to mark those in your Bible and, and follow along as you listen today. Um, and spend some time in God's Word. Um, take some time to uh, today and, and this week to to read and, and to study uh, God's Word and to, and to read these passages uh, several times. Um, but we begin in Mark chapter 9. It says, Paul's writing and he says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said about this time next year. I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. By no means. And then Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the power that's in your word. God, for the power that, that, um, that you are, for your, uh, your mighty power and strength in our lives. We're in a time where we so desperately need you to move in this nation. Um, God, in our churches, in our communities, we, uh, we're asking for for you to turn the hearts of people back to you, God. We cry out along with Paul today for those people that are lost, for those people that are living without you, God. 
And we pray for a great revival. And God, we trust you. And we just ask you to speak to our hearts today. Teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us in righteousness that we may be doing the things that you're calling us to do and that we may be equipped to do them for your glory. So God, we ask you to do a mighty work today through the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. For the last several weeks, we have been in the book of of Romans, studying uh, Romans. And and, uh, and last week, we finished up uh, chapter 8 of Romans. In chapter 8, we've been talking about is like a mountaintop experience. And I shared last week one of the hikes I went to in, in the in the Big Bend area. And uh, in another hike you can take in the Big Bend National Park is is uh, in the basin. And, uh, and it's the basin loop. And you can, um, you can actually hike it in such a way that it's around a 17-mile or more hike, depending on how much of it you want to see and where you want to go. Uh, but you can hike up the uh, Pinnacles Trail to Emory Peak and see the highest point of the park and look all around that vast Big Bend Desert. You can uh, go on beyond, uh, come off of Emory Peak and go on through Boot Canyon and see beautiful views. Uh, you can go to the Northeast Rim and see these amazing views, the South Rim. Um, and, and along the way, there's you might see mountain lions and bears and you know had just you know deer and and all these uh, wonderful animals in God's creation and you just get all these views that are so vast and so beautiful and uh, and for me personally they just always lifted my spirit and encouraged my heart to uh, to just experience uh, uh, God in in those mountaintop places in those mountaintop experiences. Um, and that's what Romans eight is like. And many Bible commentators say it's the it's the it's the Mount Everest of the Bible. It's uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's a place in the Bible that should lift our hearts. There's so much here in Romans eight to encourage us. Uh, it starts off with "There's now therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life has set us free in Christ from the law of sin and death." And uh, so how awesome and, and wonderful uh, is that for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God. Um, but you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Uh, he says so many things that he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Uh, he says that we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided, we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified in him. He says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. And so many things uh, that, uh, that God will turn all things for good for those who love him uh, and are, are, called to, uh, are called according to his purpose. 
We know those who love God, all things work together for good. Even the things we're experiencing in our culture. If God is for us, who can be against us? And nothing, nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, So as we meditate on those wonderful truths, and there's so many others uh, in Romans chapter 8, to lift our spirits, to to help us and encourage our hearts in these times. And so it's almost like in Romans chapter 8, Paul is on this mountaintop experience, but then so quickly in Romans chapter 9, he's back in the valley. Almost like he came tumbling down the mountain, and now he's back in the valley, and he has great sorrow in unceasing anger in his heart. He says, for I wish, I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants. And so his heart is heavy for, uh, for, for his, his people for the Israelites who have rejected God, who have walked away from God and and, and rejected Jesus Christ, and they're following man-made rituals and rules. And his heart is broken. And so as I began to, to think about the Apostle Paul and how he has come, you know, he was once one of them. He hated Christians. He knew what it was. He knew exactly where they were. And so his heart was so heavy for them to know Christ. And, to, and, 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 to, and as I thought about that, and I thought about this experience he's having in the valley, Psalm 23 came into my heart. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And so as a country, we're in this valley of, of the coronavirus, and, uh, and every day on the media, we hear reports about how deadly it can be and how we've got to, you know, flatten the curve and we've got to be socially distant. And so um, we, uh, we want to do that. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to make it worse. We don't want to lead, do something that would lead people to die and, and, uh, and to become infected and to overwhelm our medical system. And so... It's a struggle that, uh, that although the heart of, of Christianity is to come together and worship, uh, that we've got to do this remotely today. And, and so in so many ways, we have heavy hearts today. We're in this valley of the shadow of death, not knowing what may come in the weeks ahead or how long we've got to continue um, in this uh, social uh, distance. And Uh, And so we're in this valley, and it's important that in this valley we recognize the feelings that we have, the emotions that we're going through, the frustration or struggles. For some of us, it might be fear and worry. For some of us, it might just be frustration, like, why are we doing this? And and this is all made up. And wherever you're at, we still have to take those emotions and those struggles to the Lord and recognize that in the valley, we've got to remember the experience we had with God on the mountain. We've got to remember uh, what God is doing in our lives. And, um, and that, uh, that, that in this valley, we're struggling and it's hard. But God's word never fails. God's word is still true. And so in our sermon today, I, I've just 
written out a series of declarations that I want to encourage you to, to make to yourself. Uh, uh, just declarations that in the valley of the shadow of death, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and so in the valley of the shadow of death, number one, I will speak the truth in Christ. We've got to continue to share the truth of Jesus Christ. This world is not our home. And we're not supposed to be building a life here on this earth and putting all of our hope in the flesh and in what the world provides. This is a time that we can let go and trust in God and speak the truth in Jesus Christ that we need to repent and turn to him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, that we need to trust in God. We need to make a declaration that we will not lie. As believers, we have the truth of Jesus Christ. We have the truth of God's word. We don't need to take shortcuts and, and, uh, and, and sugarcoat things and, uh, and try to... Uh, you know, paint rosy pictures where things are difficult and hard. We need to be honest and open and truthful. And so Paul is saying that. He's saying, I'm not lying. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. He was accused of being a liar, of, of, uh, of you know, being a traitor, of being all these things. And he's just declared the glory of Jesus Christ, the glorious riches of Christ's love. And he's saying, I am not lying. I am speaking the truth in Christ. And in this valley, we need to do that. We need to be truthful. Speak the truth. Be open and honest with God with our struggles and our frustrations and our hardships. And we need to trust in the Lord as our shepherd. Trust in the Lord as our shepherd and believe that he will provide. I will trust in the Lord as my shepherd and believe that he will provide. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Learn to be content. In the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, yet I will trust in the sovereignty of God and know he is leading me to a place of green pastures and still waters. So in the valley, we're going we're gonna to struggle. That's the whole point of the valley experience. God is molding us and shaping us and, and refining us and testing us. And so we're going to have great sorrow and unceasing anguish. And the more we love Jesus, the more we see the glory of God and eternal life in Christ, the more heavy our hearts are for those that reject him and that are lost and that, uh, that, that just make a mockery of the things of God. And so we're going to have sorrow in our hearts and unceasing anguish because the more we love Christ, the more we love people. And the more we love people, the more open we are to anguish and to sorrow. And, and, uh, and yet we've got to trust in the sovereignty of God that he knows what he's doing. We don't know exactly why he chose Jacob over Esau. And surely, uh, you know, their, their mother didn't know who, what was going on. Rebecca didn't know why that was the case. Yet we've got to trust in the sovereignty 
of God that God is not unjust. Whatever we see as injustice is not injustice. God is doing exactly what is right. And He is leading us to a place of green pastures and still waters. He is leading us to a place of green pastures. Paul says that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. In Psalm uh, Psalm 23, verse 2, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Make that declaration today. I will feel great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, yet I will trust in the sovereignty of God and know He is leading me to a place of green pastures and still waters. In the valley of the shadow of death, I will desperately want to help, struggle where I cannot help, and run to God to restore my soul and lead me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So when we're in the valley, we want to help. And we've got to help where we can But there's always areas where we cannot help. There are things that are too great for us, things that only God can do. And when we're in that situation, we've got to rest in Him and let Him know that, God, if there's something I can do, show me. But until you show me and until I know what I need to do, I'm going to trust in you to restore my soul and lead me in paths of righteousness. Paul says, for I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He wants to help them. He desperately wants so bad that he's willing to be cut off from his beloved Savior, Jesus Christ, and yet he knows that that's God. God's got to do that. He's got to trust in God for that. In Psalm 20. 3, 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's God's glory that we seek. And so we've got to run to him for help, for strength, for hope, for meaning, uh, for guidance, especially when we're in that terrible situation where there's nothing we can do. And we're all going to be there someday where our loved ones are struggling, whether it's with addiction or with um, sickness or whatever, and there's nothing we can do to help them. We can always, of course, pray for them, uh, and yet we always want to do more. We want, to, we want something hands-on that we can do, and we've got to run to God to restore our soul and to lead us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake so that we don't get frustrated and give up and quit. In the valley of the shadow of death, I will rely on God's word that never fails and trust in his goodness, justice, and love, believing that he is with me. He can be trusted with my loved ones and he is able to protect comfort, anoint, and be an overflowing source of goodness and mercy all the days of my life on this earth and on into eternity. Make that declaration today in this valley that we're in. 
I will rely on God's word that never fails and trust in his goodness, justice, and love, believing that he is with me. He can be trusted with my loved ones and he is able to protect, comfort, anoint, and be an overflowing source of goodness and mercy all the days of my life on this earth and on into eternity. Paul says in Romans 4, they are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belong the patriarchs from their race according to the flesh is Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. They, should, they have all these glorious things about them, but they've rejected Christ. And he says, but it is as not as though the word of God has failed for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son and not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. In this valley, we have to rely on the goodness of God. Declare to Him that we don't know everything. We know so little and He is all-knowing and put our trust in Him. Just as the psalmist does, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ in this valley that we find ourselves in? Have you put all your trust in him, all your hope in him? To be a child of the promise, you've got to run to Jesus Christ for salvation. You've got to repent of your sin, which means more than just saying, God, I'm sorry. It's God, I want to go with you. I want to live your way. I want to be who you're calling me to be. I want to do what you're calling me to do with my life. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Are you believing in his word that cannot fail? Again, we all get to that place where no one else can help us. In a sense, everybody else will fail us. There's nothing they can do to help doctors and nurses, friends, family, even preachers. Only God can help in that situation. And that is where we need his word, his son, his spirit, his presence 
Because God cannot fail. Are you believing in His Word? Are you trusting Him to lead, restore, comfort, anoint, and overflow His goodness and mercy into your life and the lives of those you love in this difficult time? Do you know that if you died today, you would dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Do you know that if you died today, you would live in the house of the Lord forever? You can know that by running to Jesus Christ today. You can have confidence in that. Pray and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and your Lord. Tell Him all your sin. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. And make that turn to Him that from this day forward, Lord Jesus, I'm going to live for You and then go tell somebody about what God has done in your life. Even if you need to stay six feet apart, whatever the protocol is that you're following, but go share that with somebody that today I was saved. Today I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Today I'm a new creation. And believer, are you trusting in the Lord in this valley? Are you speaking the truth in Christ? Even in the midst of great sorrow and unceasing anguish, are you trusting the sovereignty of God, knowing where He's leading you, that He's leading you to green pastures and still waters? Even where you cannot help, are you trusting in the help of God? Are you running to God to restore your soul and lead you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake? Believer, are you relying on God's word that never fails and trusting in his goodness, his justice, his love, believing that he is with you and he can be trusted with those loved ones that don't know the Lord, that are living a life of worldliness and sin, entrust them to God, pray them through, share the truth with them. God is able to protect, comfort, anoint God is an overflowing source of goodness and mercy all the days of our life on this earth. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, He is a source of goodness and mercy and He'll be a source of goodness and mercy on into eternity. Let's pray together. God, we just ask You to move today through Your Word to help this nation pray for all those that are sick with this virus, that are in the valley of the shadow of death, may they turn their hearts to you. We pray for medical personnel that are working. We pray for our grocery stores, our truckers, our, uh, our politicians, everyone that's working to, uh, to bring an end to the spread of this virus. But God, we know that the virus of sin is so much greater. And we pray for renewal and revival and a turning of people's hearts to you. Oh God, do a mighty work today in our nation, in our communities, in our church family. Draw people to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.